Hey, hey, Podnoxians. This is the Mini PC Show, episode 110. My name is Door to Door Geek. This show is all about big talk with little machines. Uh, I'm the owner-operator of this network. Uh, I will apologize for going about a month without doing a Mini PC Show. Uh, those watching on video might notice I'm in a sling. Long story short, lots of pain. A little bit of a longer story. They MRI'd my right shoulder, approved me for surgery, right shoulder, days before the COVID went nuts and all the lockdowns happened. So then they scheduled my appointment to speak with the surgeon for July the 9th, the day after this recording. But since then, my left shoulder has been driving me absolutely batty, crazy with pain. Uh, typically, the later in the day, the more it hurts. Today, luckily, it worked out that it doesn't hurt as much. Uh, but let's get that out of the way. Uh, I want to first and foremost and say I want to thank everybody for all their emails and everybody for their new Patreons. Uh, looks like we possibly have uh, three new things to mention with uh, Patreon. Uh, one is from uh, Tammy D. I'll, I'll call her Tammy D. Thank you for the patronage. Uh, Shane Bentley, thank you for the patronage. And then uh, Mike D. Uh, edited their pledge as well. Thank you guys very much for your support. Uh, this show is brought to you by Jill, a.k.a. Lennox girl who I believe is still on um, the uh, show from Lennox Gamecast or their weekly Lennox show. Uh, she is a passionate, passionate Lennox user and she's really fun to listen to. Uh, so I definitely want to thank you, Jill, for all your support throughout these years. If you too would like to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash the mini PC show. I will apologize. I definitely had a hard time doing this show. My normal mute button is on my right control key with my left arm in a sling. It's very difficult for me to not hit the right control key, so my audio is going to go in and out during this show. Also, for people who watched it on video, I definitely had a hard time switching back and forth from the different camera angles. I apologize. Really mad I missed some of that, but I'll say this. Odroid C4, 4 gigabyte of RAM, $55, built-in heatsink, no Wi-Fi, no Bluetooth, fine by me. Uh, ultra competitive board should run Android like butter smooth, like really butter smooth. Um, I'm just going to leave this screen in front of me now so I can see when my lips go off because that really upset me. Um, Odroid, in my opinion, humbly, very, very competitive with um, Raspberry Pi and they just keep it up. Technically, this is only a revision on a board. I think it's a very smart, good revision on a board. Uh, definitely, I think, worth the money if you're going to do an upgrade. Um, the other um, Pine news was they took their, um, see, you know, I'm going to turn off my mic. Okay. The other news I thought I found really uh, happy news, because let's just face it, happy news right now is better than not happy news, um, was uh, Pine 64 people doing the traditional dog food routine. Now I'll say it like this. For those who are unaware with the term dog fooding, it literally came, I believe, 80 miles north of me in a dog food factory called Purina Dog Food. Okay. And one of the head guys there said, I don't want to make a product that isn't good enough for me to eat. So quite literally, every so often they would stop the stop the um 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 pro um pro um pro um duction an executive would walk up with a spoon, pull some out, and see if it was any good. Um, that's dog fooding. When you're producing something for somebody else, but you make sure it's good enough for myself to use kind of thing. And most companies don't have the gumption, in my opinion, to do it. Pine literally took a whole bunch of their Rock Pro 64 boards, created what I consider to be a pretty damn beautiful um, cluster of them, 
and now they're hosting uh i believe it's the entire website the entire store and their entire uh irc system on nothing more than clusters of rock pro 64s i love it so is this an update is there uh are they saying hey they've been successful or is this just the announcement they're doing it uh this was basically like the monthly announcement that it's done it was successful um they they were going through like little bugs little things that were happening but to fix it and here's the thing with them doing this kind of thing we as consumers are assured of two things one the rock pro 64 which i do have one of them as well is production in air quotes ready it's not just a hobbyist board it's not just a tinkerer's board but it's literally something you can put in a production environment too I guarantee you the people who are working on this cluster have learned a lot. So just keep your eye out for the next production ready type of pine board that comes out. Cause I guarantee you one thing, it's going to be really nice. So, uh, just, I, did you ever look at the video I sent you? I, I know you've been busy. Honestly, I knew I said I was going to look at it the following day and it completely slipped my mind. That's okay. So, um, I kind of catted up my own little cluster that's going to fit probably i think it's going to end up the size of a shoebox so it's going to be like four raspberry pi fours uh i'm sorry six four of them are going to be four gig and two of them are going to be eight gig an ssd drive a i'm sorry not an ssd but a notebook drive uh so i got like a four terabyte notebook drive and i'm going to use a rock 64 which has usb 3 on it and run open media vault on that and i my goal was to have them nfs boot but if that doesn't work, I got SD cards for them all, you know, micro SD cards. And so I've got an eight port switch. So there's going to be seven devices in the box and, oh, a computer power supply. So, um, and I'm 3D printing up the stuff. I, in fact, I should drop the link in the chat when I get a free hand because I'm holding the mic down. So I'm in the design phase and I've just been trying to figure out how to pack it, you know, densely and maintain airflow and, and cooling and all of that kind of thing. And I want to make it look kind of cool. So I'm going to try and 3D print some. If I use like an off-the-shelf box or off-the-shelf box I modify, I do want to kind of skin it with some interesting texture and maybe functional air vents. But all that being said, um, what I'm looking to do with it is I, I am waiting for this VMworld for them to announce that they, they have uh, ESXi running. I know, but um, how many years have we been waiting for this, Rich? I swear it seems like it's been three years. So the last release rumor I heard was uh, ARM ESXi for ARM was going to come out in, with the release of ESXi 7. Well, ESXi 7 has been out for a while. So I'm thinking maybe they're holding it off for VMworld, which uh, VMworld, there's a free sign up. It's a virtual event. You could pay for it, but I think all the paid slots were sold out. So it might be worthwhile. And uh, it's funny. Somebody said, thank you for a great show. And I think they meant another Richard that was on another show that just finished. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm... I'm hoping that there's going to be ESXi. It's, uh, to me, it just seems like they cut a deal with the Pi Foundation to make the 8 gig of RAM on the Raspberry Pi 4. That would be a perfect host, uh, perfect ARM host for ESXi. But otherwise, uh, Docker, you know, Docker Kubernetes setup would work just fine. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, well, here's the thing. I definitely think there's a place 
um, in infrastructure, in enterprise-grade infrastructure, where sticking a Raspberry Pi would honestly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It would um, make it easier to, like, secure. Uh, it's a completely different platform. Like, you know, x86 code won't run on it kind of thing. So it might be a little bit protected against infections. It might be a little bit protected against attacks. And it has the capabilities. I mean, really, it, we're getting to the point capabilities of what you can do on an ARM platform is ever nearing complete compatibility with what you can do on the x86 platform. So the real reason I love the idea of the Raspberry Pi for enterprise-grade stuff, even if it's nothing more than an emergency backup power server because it uses so little power and so little this kind of this, but yet it's so small, compact, and capable. Um. I personally believe we, there will finally be a day where we walk into an enterprise-grade server closet, and when you walk up, there'll be a little box hanging off the side of this ma major rack with a little board on it and little controllers on it, and it will be like you're interfacing with the entire ecosystem via this Raspberry Pi solution. Well, hopefully it's not only going to be the interface, but it's going to be the back end also. Well, and that's the thing that I, I'm, I completely know that I'm ignorant with VMware is all the layers of stuff that's going on from the host, the VLANs, the VNICs, the LANs, the SANs, the WANs, all that kind of thing. Um, I would hope that it could be the core of actual running it because I know when I look at our VMware stuff at work, what I see is I can't believe much of the actual VMware is taxing any of the system itself. What's taxing no. the system is the SQL jobs running in a virtual machine mm -hmm. and the Active Directory running over here and you know, those kinds of things, but not actual VMware itself. Right, right. The uh, ESXi host, it's like 300, the ISO for it is like 346, 347 meg. Uh, and it, it, it is a very light footprint. Uh, so as far as when you talk about layering, it really has nearly no impact. And when you think about what it does for you, and I, I hope people know a little bit about virtualization. So just some of the cool factors about virtualization is maybe you don't have um, something that needs a whole server, and maybe it doesn't need all of the RAM all the time. Maybe it only needs half of the, t half of the RAM some of the time. And what it enables, it's kind of a green technology in a way, because it allows you to use less servers, which means less cooling, less electric, less infrastructure, uh, and have more virtual machines or, you know, virtual servers running on a host. And the other thing that you can do is clustering so that uh, one of the big pluses in virtualization is a cluster that you could detect a pre-fail mode, like, hey, uh, Smart is letting us know that a hard drive is going to go bad, so let's migrate all of the guest operating systems off of that one host that's going to go bad. And now you have seamless uh, downtime. Like, you could unplug, if it's a Blade server or something like that, or a Rack server, you could just unplug that one, plug a new one in, load ESXi, tell it to join the, uh, the cluster, and have all of the guest operating systems migrate back on. So there's, there's many things that you can do as far as economy, as far as green technology, 
there's you could even have your server farm say your server farm isn't busy certain times of the day you could have the hosts power down and then you could have it you know power up you know you do a wake on land when it's needed when the resources are needed so there's a lot of cool things you can do that way but going back to one of the things that you touched on a project that i wanted to do last year didn't finish was um a hurricane box or a hurricane entertainment box is to take something like a raspberry pi 4 or similar and pair it with a you know like a four terabyte uh two and a half inch drive and like a portable power brick you know some sort of power vault and this way i have something that you could on your phone or on your tablet or whatever device that we could put a bunch of movies and tv shows so if we lost power for 24 or 48 hours instead of running uh my normal system for plex i could have basically a pocket portable power out plex system uh, and of course you're going to need power eventually but i have ways to do that i don't have a generator but i have inverters i can run on the car yeah i definitely like the idea of that and um with VMs, yeah, that's the thing. It's almost like the old school promise of uh, Java, like code once run anywhere. With, with virtual machines, you can literally develop like dedicated ecosystems in a VM and then deploy them wherever you want, whenever you want. And you're assured when you do the export of the appliance, you get all the settings to go with it and you know it's going to work exactly the way it should. Um, I I still run a couple of things here in my house in a VM just because I never want updates to break them. I never want me to accidentally, you know, make a change and break them. And it's all containerized in a virtual machine to where I don't do web browsing on it. I disable all the updates. And I and now I know for, I think it's five plus years, every time I launch that virtual machine, I know exactly what to expect. And it's never once failed me. Oh, yeah. There the the other cool thing about a vm or even docker containers is the portability so if the hardware that it's running on goes bad and you have you know a backup of it or a disk drive that it's on you could just spin it up on another piece of hardware so that that's one of the cooler things so you're you're not bound to the physical hardware because you're running on virtual hardware so that that's that's a very cool thing I agree. Uh, if you did want to join the video, Rich, I did drop you a link there. Oh, in the Mumble chat? Uh, both Mumble and the Hangouts. Um, and I'll say, while you uh, click and look around, um, I will hold this up. And this was another thing that um, I shared between uh, me and Rich and a, and a couple other guys. And more than a couple of the guys said that they were looking at it and it looked interesting. It's basically $11.00. HDMI to USB 2.0 video capture dongle that supports up to 1080p uh, 30 frames a second resolution. Um, it didn't mention anything about Linux support on the page. Um, I will say I haven't had a lot of time to uh, like click and try stuff out. Um, so I don't know if it is the kind of thing that does work well on Linux, but literally 11 bucks. If that's not worth the gamble, then I think we need to find you a, a new job because it's only 11 bucks. Oh yeah. 11, 11 bucks. Let's definitely jump on it. Yeah. Cause I, I, I was hoping to hear good news from you on that because there are things. So my use case for that, I'm not sure what your use case is, but mine would be doing an end to end 
good screen cap of like, hey, this is how to set up Diet Pi on a Raspberry Pi 4 and go through all of the configuration and get a really good, clean copy of what goes on on the screen. Right. Well, I'll say I already technically have a video capture device um, for that use case. The difference is uh, this one is put out by Magwell, Magwell, uh, whatever. This is $300, okay, $299. This goes up to 4K, 60 frames a second, USB 3.0 required, built like a tank. Uh, and when I run it, it literally gets hot as hell, okay? Ouch. Um, but it is Linux compatible. And that was the real reason why I bought this one when I did, because I knew the drivers for this were in the kernel of Linux for like two years. So I was completely safe with buying it. Um, but just like I literally have right now multiple computers in front of me, part of the reason I have that is so I always have a backup. So quite literally, a processor could die, RAM could fail, a drive could fail, I could still come down and do a show. I also want that kind of backup hardware. And let's fake it. If the backup hardware costs $11, <laughs> that's a freaking win for me. So what operating systems does it say it runs on? Uh, it does say uh, Mac and Linux in the description. Oh, okay. Um, they didn't say anything about Linux. And when I, and when I plugged it up, I tried to plug it up on my pine book pro because that's let's face it. If it works there, you know, it works everywhere. Mm -hmm. I plugged it up. I played with it just for a couple minutes. Didn't have a lot of time and I could not get it working there, but granted, that's the hardest possible place for it to work. So, you know, okay. Okay. Um, I will say, um, the, there's a bad thing in the door to door geek verse without doing a show for so long and it's because man do those links build up um pretty quick too um this was another one that i found i'll say interesting and this was a a android app rich i don't know if you saw this one line 81 um it's an android app called rasp controller all one word uh uh, it's in the tools section. E for everyone does contain ads, no in-app purchases, free to download. Uh, 1,854 reviews, 4.8 average reviews, uh, updated June 19th, 2020, 7.5 megs in size, 100,000 plus installs, current version 4.1.6, required a 5.0 Android and up, which is, which is ancient. Content rating uh, e for everyone. It does ask for access to your contacts, your photo, your storage, your identity, and other. Now, if you're new to the Android privacy thing and you hear those stats and you get nervous, send me an email. Okay. Uh, you can send me an email easily at minipc at podcast.com. I'll show you the app to download and install on your Android device. It's called Island. And then on that island, you install this app, and it basically has no access to your contacts or anything else. Okay. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. What this is, this was basically, I thought, a very easy, handy-dandy Android interface for doing um, GPIO-type work with your Raspberry Pi. Um, I've seen, like, dedicated, like, web pages that can do it, but I didn't see, uh, I, I didn't see the ability to do this in an android app before that i know of um so i just found this interesting is what i'll say M managing your raspberry pi from your smartphone or, or your smart device okay so is this it may be another link that you shared in the past is this does this one allow you to overclock also i do think i do think now that you say that that was an option 
in the configuration uh, when you set up the Raspberry Pi. Because I, I remember you shared something that allowed you to control the Pi, and it did overclocking also. I don't see that. Well, I, I'll see. Here's a really quick rundown of the description. Uh, GPIO management, file system management, uh, SSH access, CPU, RAM, disk monitoring, camera showing images of the connected camera, uh, custom widgets, process list or processes list, uh, supports for the, the sense hat, uh, pinout with diagrams, wake on LAN, uh, ability to shut down and restart. So it's, re it's really like an administration portal for your Raspberry Pi right from your pocket is the way I'll put it. So just looking through the links, um, I usually don't have this problem, but it says use the script to find a Raspberry Pi on your network. Let's see, that was line 83. Yep, and I, and I before I even read this, I'll just put it like this. I thought I knew the hook of how they were going to make this work. Because there is a trick, and the trick is basically um, every NIC and every Bluetooth adapter shipped with every Raspberry Pi, the MAC address starts with the same half of characters because they're all from the same manufacturers. I mean, now the Raspberry 2 the, from the Raspberry 3 might change, but basically every Raspberry 3 I've ever seen, the MAC address, the first half is the same, and the Wi-Fi for every Raspberry Pi 3 I've seen is the exact same. So the way the ad MAC addresses are, half of it is the manufacturer, the first half, and then the second half is its unique ID. And that's both for wired and uh, LAN and actually Bluetooth also. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah, because it's basically, it, I think of MAC addresses as IP addresses just using different protocols, different methods. And effectively it is. So um, IP is used to get onto a LAN. If two devices are on the same LAN, they'll communicate by MAC address as opposed to IP address. But if you're off the same network, uh, you're going to be communicating IP. Yeah, see, and I did look at this link, and I did peruse it. I'm, I'm, of course, I didn't read every single line in it because I don't have enough medication. Um, but I say I found this interesting. What it is is basically you leave this running on your Raspberry Pi, and if it recognizes another Raspberry Pi, the LED will blink on it. But I looked at the code and I couldn't figure out if they're doing it by MAC address or not. Yeah, so I'm just kind of quick scrolling through the code. trying. I don't see how they're identifying. Yeah, I don't see how it's identified because here's the real thing. If it is using the MAC address from the NIC or from the Bluetooth or from the Wi-Fi, well, there's a very simple way around that, and that is to use a Wi-Fi dongle made by mm -hmm. somebody else, and then you have a completely different MAC address. Um. So, yeah, I literally, I remember now looking at this code like three, four times, and none of it made any sense on how the hell this was actually finding um, devices on your network. But that's what it says it does. So I'm, I'm interested. You got me. Yeah, I'm looking because the code they're showing can't be the whole thing. It's interesting. That's just what I'll say. I interesting. Okay, uh, I want to talk about what is now going to be line 82, really to transfer over into an email that we have uh, here. Uh, to me, this was an interesting, and I use that word because I don't want to say anything overly for it or against it, because I think I got mixed signals from it. It's an interesting article from Wired.com. Yeah, Wired.com. Um, 
and it's basically getting you to clickbait saying uh, IoT security is a mess. Privacy nutrition, in quote, labels could help. And I will say this is the kind of thing I absolutely love the idea of it. If you scroll down the page, maybe almost halfway, and you see what you could picture on the side of like a Google Nest Mini mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. a Apple Siri HomePod or whatever, you could imagine seeing something literally like this on the side of it. But we all know there's only two ways this will actually happen. Customers demand it, a company does it, and then customers demand it. Or it's regulated by the federal government. That's the only way. Right, right. And, and, you know, big tech lobbyists still prevent that. Well, unless they claim, unless they think it's going to help them. So here's here's the problem. We we do get this information. It's that EULA that you click on that's, you know, in gray print on a gray background in one point type that's, you know, thousands of pages long that you might read the first paragraph, your eyes glaze over, and then you say, screw it, I'm just clicking accept. I I do like this because, hey, when just like you were talking about the Android app, when it says it wants my phone contacts, it wants this, it wants that. It's like, yeah, if you're going to manage my Raspberry Pi, why do you need my phone contacts? I could see if, like, you're going to text me on something or, you know, but no, if you just want to harvest my address book and and no door-to-door geek's home address, uh, that's not cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um... I wanted to bring this up because I wanted to trans- transition over to the email we got from Gregory Smith. Long story short, really nice guy, long time, I'll say, uh, guy I've back and forth with emailed uh, before. He sent a Survey Monkey link. He's basically doing something for his schooling where he's trying to um, get as many people to go just fill out this survey. Okay. And it's literally when people say five to 10 minute survey, you and me both know. It turns out to be like on almost 20 minute survey because that's how these damn things work. This is literally a three to five minute survey is what I'm going to say. Um, and basically just survey monkey and it's asking you about some um, I, IOT basics is the way that I put it. Nothing super complicated, nothing super, you, 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 you have to sit there and think about. It's just basic things. Uh, and this is going to be in the link to the notes. So I will say this. If you want to support Podnuts, it also means you support the listener of Podnuts because Podnuts is not a tyranny. Podnuts is not a dictatorship. Podnuts is not standing on a soapbox speaking to peasants. Podnuts is a community thing. Uh, if people want to support this show, I will ask you to click the notes, go down to IoT Survey. And click on the Survey Monkey link and fill this out to help give Gregory more information uh, for his college course uh, than he could possibly handle because we all know more is better. Yep, I, I filled it out when you sent the link earlier today. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing I thought I knew what every question was going to be, but it did actually shock me with at least uh, two of the questions. Because on some of the things, I want to say it's like not applicable. Like if you have a Google Home Mini, you can't change the settings on it. You can't change the default information on it. And when there is an update or an upgrade, that damn thing don't tell you. For all I know, every day it's getting an upgrade. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, there there's some things I, I understood that weren't exactly relevant. But uh, And Johnny Come Lately Me, in, in two ways tonight, I dropped uh, a link into the YouTube chat of my Pi SBC so I see it only has one view right now. I don't know who looked at it. I shared it with somebody. But that's kind of the design I'm going with. And 
So I just kind of shared the Tinkercad spinning it around view. Very cool. I honestly wish I could do actually, you know, some level of designing, but you know, that no. requires like concentration. People with skills in 3D bust on me about Tinkercad, but I'm actually really good at it. And I, I know there's things it's limited on and that a real program uh, would be beneficial. And someday I hope to learn a real program. Well, and it, it's okay if they think it's not as quote unquote powerful or good or whatever, but it doesn't matter. A artist can use any tool to create art. And that's true in the digital world as well. Thank you for confusing me with an artist. Well, I mean, you create from, you know, consciousness of your brain down to a computer chip. It works. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, okay, this one I had to bring up because I thought it was hysterical, Rich. Line 83 in the notes. Okay, this is how, okay, you know how, like, some people say, you know, scientists, you know, they never stop and ask if they should. They just do it, you know, kind of thing. Or, like, people say, you know, how, like, people don't really... um think before they do things well there's another realm of that and that is like the person who decides i know let's put gen 2 on a raspberry pi um if someone doesn't like the fact that i think this is unbelievably pointless i mean if you're going to do it for an exercise if you're going to do it to learn if you're going to do it to see how it works if you're going to do it as an exercise in education more power to you but I cannot imagine how long it would take to compile LibreOffice on a Raspberry Pi 4. I'm going to guess days, not hours, not tens of hours, but literally like 50 hours at least. Um, so if you are a sadist who likes punching themselves into oblivion, why don't you also take a break and try to put Gen 2 Linux on a Raspberry Pi now? Then I got that in my system. I honestly would expect it would probably, after you get up, up and running, I think it would actually probably run damn near like a old desktop. Not a modern desktop, but it would run like a three to seven year old desktop. And it would probably be almost acceptable after you spend three months building all the software. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't take that long. Well, you know. I'm sure it's not quick. Uh, and I will say uh, their link to this one is going to be to a fella that we uh, talk about once in a while. Uh, ETA Prime, I'll say in the nicest way I can put it, I if you take a look at his hands in the video, if you notice, he is a hardworking man at something manual labor-wise, okay? And that's a compliment because my hands are like baby's butts. I'm, I'm weak, I'm puny. Um, most of the videos where he talks about these kinds of things, he didn't actually build them. He's just reviewing them, um, which is fine. But if, you know, if you don't know the history of the author, you don't know what you've read. So when I watch these kinds of videos, I know that ETA Prime knows gaming, knows gaming emulation, knows Linux tablets, and, and knows Android a lot, really understands small form fact computers. But I'm willing to bet he really doesn't know a lot about Gen 2. Um, either way, I still found this to be an incredibly informative video that I will never put Gen 2 on a device. I mean, I'm only so much of a sadist. Well, that's cool. I, I do enjoy his videos. I, I, and I think I mentioned it on probably the last time we podcast. I'm a little jealous because he, he is a really good tech YouTuber, and I'd like to be as good as him. Well, he has the time, number one. He has some genuine talent, 
He has the voice, and he definitely has the talent of crafting his things together. Um, really good stuff. He is the honest-to-goodness kind of guy. I wish lived like three doors down for me to where once every couple of days I'll just stop down and just BS with him, chat with him, see what he's up to, see what he's doing, and just talk. Wait, wait. Would you want the explaining computers guy three doors in the other direction? Only if I can, um, like, harass him, like, <laughs> randomly make his ring do- doorbell go off. You know he sells uh, a Mr. Scissors, right? And I think he has T-shirts, too. And I'm sure somebody buys them. Dude, guess what you're getting for Christmas. No, I'm not. Um, okay. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Odroid H2. I will say, I, okay, um, one of the links that are going to be up higher in the notes is the Pine June announcements. Uh, I will encourage people, if you are at all interested in the Pine tab, the Pine phone, the Pine time watch, or the Pine camera, or any of the other things that they're looking at, you need to just subscribe to like the monthly Pine announcements. They are literally chock full of information. Um, If any company right now, 2020, should get an award in transparency that I know of, I'm pretty sure it's Pine people. I'm just saying that out loud. Um, But Going off of Pine, the Odroid H2 was one of my more favorite single board Intel-based computers because I believe it was fairly priced with great I.O. Uh, and it just worked. Yes, it's an Intel like Celeron, but whatever, it still worked. Well, now they're coming out with the Odroid H2, which is an upgrade to that, uh, which I will say that happened quick. Um, uh, I am really interested in it. Uh, one, of the, one of the key features that honestly, Rich, you said something. I didn't even know it was such a thing. Um, the NICs are not gigabit. The NICs are 2.5 gigabit. I never heard of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and that that's kind of a weird standard. So I, it was only after I read this article I did a little bit of research on it. So the next problem is you got 2.5 gigabit NICs. What are they going to talk to? You need a 2.5 gigabit switch. Well, and they and they do exist. Because I did do some light research of what I'll say. And 2.5 uh, each port switches do exist. Yeah, they cost more money, but they do exist. Um, and now here's here's what I keep thinking, Rich. Okay, we all know bottlenecks and shortcomings of infrastructure, platforms, applications, and ecosystems. There's always a shortcoming. There's always a bottleneck. Maybe what this 2.5 solution is for is to disperse the the cloud dare i say flatten the cloud to more of an edge thing to allow faster communication from one side of the edge to the other um maybe if they do increase the speed by two and a half times over a gigabit that they can parse out information faster more reliable to end users i that i don't know because i know in my house how in the hell is gigabit not enough I mean, literally, unless you're transferring like terabytes of information daily, I don't know why someone would need 2.5 over one gig. Okay, so, Dor, you have the older version of this, correct? Yes, sir. Did it have removable memory modules on the bottom? Yes, sir. Two uh, DDR4 slots, up to 32 gigs of RAM maximum. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Like, hmm. And it has the M.2 on the bottom, too. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I know. Holy frignets. Wow. And so, okay. two SATA ports and uh want to say $125. So $125, bucks, like, I would have to check how much the RAM is. But, yeah, that's 
that's like it's interesting and i i've always wanted to do a chart of all the different devices because is this a better deal than a nook is it is it a better deal than a celeron nook and it might be i don't know uh because celeron nook comes with a case power supply blah um i'm looking at odroid's site right now i'm not sure what it comes with i see they have a 1295 power plug i don't know if yeah. it comes with one uh it may I'll, not i'll tell you that's the only thing it comes with is the power plug and i i don't think i had to buy mine separate actually remember. all right so ameridroid it says required items not included no power supply is included so huh. it's a 15 volt 4 amp no ram uh no emmc no m2 sata no case right no nothing. no hdmi cable just a so huge heat sink so it's the board yep and there is yeah. more than a couple um i will say fair to good uh stls you can download from thingiverse and make a perfectly acceptable case oh okay that's cool uh if my damn printer worked without jamming on me yeah uh, i'll i'll say my dream when i bought this board was to every x number of months buy something more to upgrade it to upgrade it because this there's no reason why this could not be the kind of thing i carry around in my backpack when i used to go to work go to work put it on the desk plug it up and literally have a beefy small powerhouse able to do whatever i wanted to do so i'm looking for the dimensions of the board um how big is this i want to say it's 110 by 110 what's the physical size oh uh, yeah yeah 110 by 110 by 43 millimeters Oh, yeah, no metric on this. I'm guessing he's pulling it out of his bag as a rabbit comes out of a hat. <sighs> okay. Yeah, here is my Odroid in a case. Uh, okay, so it looks nook-sized. It is very comparable. It's very close to a nook size. Uh, I will say it's going to be incredibly difficult for anybody to beat the price of the nook. It's like trying to beat the price of rubber from the guy who's growing the trees. You know what I mean? It's really right, difficult right. to beat the price. What I do think this has over a nook, and I'm saying this really slowly, is I.O. Not only does it have... M.2, not only does it have two SATA, but it also has EMMC. That to me mm -hmm, is a third, mm -hmm. is a fantastic third option for certain things. The dual gigabit NIC is awesome. Uh, I do believe uh, with the HDMI and the DVI, I'm not sure they can both be active at the same time. That's, I think, the only shortcoming. So the other thing I want to say about the networking is you probably, I, I don't want to say you can, Without a crossover cable, you probably could connect this two and a half gig to another one of these at two and a half gig speed. Um, the other combination you can do with networking is uh, you could bond both ports and have five gigabit throughput. So that that's the other thing. Now that means you have to have a pretty decent switch on the other end to be able to do those things. Yeah, you could do that, or this could be like the ultimate. Um, and I have, I don't think I'm overstating the word when I say this, the ultimate gateway appliance that you could literally sell to Soho's and make bank because this, there's no doubt, even the old one with the gigabit Nick is perfectly fine. But I'll say this, you get the 2.5 gigabit Nick, you put this in a, in a Soho with a battery backup, one Nick going out to public, one Nick coming inside to the switch hub, whatever. Um, 
and you could manage the hell out of this thing and do anything you wanted on it and have unbelievable levels of control over their network from this one platform is the way that I'll put it. Um, oh, it'd be a great PF Sense box. Yes, and it's Intel, so you don't have to worry about it because it just works with Intel. Very, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I have no problem in saying, you know, if you give me the choice of just buying a pizza or buying a pizza and then putting my own toppings on it, I'm always going to go for that second option. And that's what I feel like when I buy an Odroid. I get the options to go with it. I don't just have it. With a Raspberry Pi, everyone is, dare I say, too lazy to use their own Wi-Fi or their own Bluetooth. And then some of the people I know of, after using it for a while, complain about the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Um, you know, I, I, I'll much rather have a good heat sink in the box than built in that kind of stuff. Okie doke. So I added, uh, just on Ameridroid's cart, so I added a power supply, 1295. I added two 16 gig modules. Uh, so that's, I think, $74 total. And one of these boards, let, let me, oh, maybe I didn't add a board. Let me view cart because it says two items. All right, it didn't add the, okay. That's 134 for the board, 100, I'm sorry, 1295. All right, it didn't add the RAM. Yeah, and the RAM at the time when I was looking at it to max it out was not cheap. And I believe it's laptop RAM now that I think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, RAM, RAM prices are fluid, so you always have to be cautious. And I'm waiting for their page to fully populate so I can add that RAM in. Oh, and I will say now while you're doing that, um, on the Pinebook Pro, um, Debian on the SD card, Manjaro on the internal EMMC, uh, Debian rock solid, rock solid, rock solid. Nothing ever happens to it. It just works. Unfortunately, it does not work with the USB hub with the external, um, display adapter, um, HDMI. Manjaro looks magnificent, does work with my USB dongle with the output of the video. So I can use that on a second monitor. Um, Brand new, fresh KDE plasma down um 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 Manjaro plasma download install wouldn't update. People are not reporting back to Pine people fast enough, good enough, or the kind of people who do it already know how to fix it because there's no way, there's no reason for a fresh install on their hardware should fail, but it does fail uh with the um uh, trying to overwrite a file during an update where you have to literally drop, drop, drop to a command line, pacman dash S S Y and overwrite file to make it forcibly overwrite a file. After I did that, it started updating, upgrading just fine again. Um, so I'm back on the happy train with Manjaro running just fine on it. Okay. So I, I did the calculator magic in the cart, uh, two ninety seven. So that's Ram you know the board which is the processor and power supply so no case no drive storage so pretty much uh if you want a fully decked out ram uh on one of these you're starting at 300 bucks yeah see and i mean if i literally had a case where i needed this thing this small with that much ram i would do it i would pull the trigger but i don't have like the excessive absolute i need this so um, you know, it's the kind of thing I can't really pull the trigger on just yet. Um, but I do see myself buying a 16 gig stick hopefully here soon. Okay. So I just kind of Googled up on Amazon 
Uh, Gen 6 Nook, quad-core Celeron, 1.5 gigahertz. Uh, oh, all right. This is 8 gig DDR3, so it's not 32 gig. Uh, that's 348. So you're so it's not a better deal. Let, let me see if I could find a 32 gig. That's 2 gigs of RAM, 32 gig EMMC. Yeah, and I'm not sure if the Celeron Nooks support 32 gigs of RAM. Uh, and I will say, to me, that is a sweet spot. Um, most of my computers, I will admit, have uh, 16. Uh, I don't think I have one that has 32 gigs of RAM. Uh, but I know it's inevitable. I'm going to need it. I am a RAM monger. I need my RAM. I want my RAM all day long kind of thing. I, I like RAM. Um, and then I wanted to just bring this one only because I do. Now, I will say uh, I am happy to hear other podcasts mention this because this to me is, I don't want to say groundbreaking. This is a sign of the times are changing. Okay. We on this show talked about Linus Torvald screaming at the top of his lungs, giving people gestures about, uh, well, you idiots. The reason why uh, ARM is dying in the server closets is because everyone's programming on x86 computers. Expletive, 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 because, you know, that's how it gets attention. Um, and since then, we've gotten much more desktop-like ARM stuff going on, not to mention now. Full stop. If anybody says Mac is going to arm to me again, I'm going to chop them in their throat. They're not going to arm. You have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Listen to the conference. They never once say the word arm. It's because they're not going to arm. They license arm, use some arm technology in their chip, but it's their chip. It's not an arm chip. You take that chip out of anything, put it in anything else and try to run arm code against it. It ain't going to work. But it's not an ARM chip. It's not an ARM chip. It's not an ARM chip. Period. Okay. Now, with that said and done, um, Fujitsu is not a company I am comfortable with saying, like, they're the industry leader. They don't seem to be the industry leader. They seem to be like the in industry workhorse. Like, when you need a billion widgets done, you call Fujitsu, and they know how to do that. Um, but Fujitsu, Japan, um, uh, strong-armed in air quotes because that's a pun oh god strong-armed their way to the top with the world's fastest known supercomputer at 415 petaflops which is more than three times as powerful as the second place uh intel-based supercomputer now the real gimmick is most supercomputers are hybrids where they have some processors running these kinds of tasks, some processors running those kinds of tasks, and then some uh, GPUs running those other kinds of tasks. Because reality, that's how you get the fastest computer. But this is a ARM-backboned supercomputer, first of its kind, blows away the supercomputing crown. Now, when you have people screaming about quantum computers in qubits, and it's going to destroy cryptography as we know it, you keep talking about that, okay? While we in the ARM world over here are actually revolutionizing the world and doing things that a year ago people said couldn't be done with less power, less heat, simpler instruction set, and it, I'm I'm also sure form factor size also much smaller. So I'm really happy to see companies pushing ARM literally to the limits. And the first time somebody tried to make a supercomputer with ARM computer, they literally made it three times as powerful as anything else. 
good job. So here, some of the numbers on this are just like really mind blowing. Seven point three million sixty four bit cores clocked at two point two gigahertz. Uh, let's see, packed into I don't even know what that number is. So this is, it's their custom processor. I know in this article it talks about how many cores are on a die somewhere. Yeah, because it's uh, 152,064 48-core ARM-compatible Fujitsu-designed A64FX processors. Oy. Okay, so that that's where it was, 48 yeah, with, cores. With 4.87 petabyte of RAM, it runs Red Hat, not shocked. I will say like this, um, I'm a, okay, there's two kinds of Linux people in this world, okay? There's a Linux guy who was introduced to Linux in a business environment. They're typically fans of Red Hat CentOS, and they look at Debian, and they don't understand why anyone would pick this barbaric community cacophony of code, you pity, pity you know, kind of people. Um, then you have the people who come into Linux because they like having it at their house. Those people run Ubuntu, Debian, Mint, those kinds of things. And I'm a firm believer DEB, Debian-based distributions, are more for entertainment purposes, video codecs, streaming video, those kind of games. And when you get into hard iron business enterprise kinds of things, you have to go Red Hat, period. Uh, you can use Debian in an enterprise world. You can use Red Hat on your desktop playing games, but I don't think they're meant for that. So when I hear this supercomputer is running Red Hat, it's like, well, yeah, I breathe oxygen, fish like water, and supercomputers like Red Hat. <laughs> yeah, so this is this kind of thing. It's really good. Now, literally, it wouldn't shock me if this supercomputer is right now trying to work on protein folding COVID-19 because it seems like everything now is working towards that kind of thing. I thought everybody was done with that and moved on to something else. Well, until stage three is done, uh, there, you know, because there's lots of money to be made. I mean, right now, a company 60 miles from my house got $1.6 billion from the, um, uh, what was it called? Turbo Ultra Turbo Fast Track uh, Federal Government uh, Turbo Cash. Turbo wow. Flash. Ah, I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, because they are so advanced in biotechnology. And I'll say um, there's also two companies that already said that they're working on the pipeline because what they plan on doing is they plan on starting to produce the vaccine as soon as stage three starts. So if it passes, they're already ready to distribute. That's pretty crazy. Because, hey, it's like some people say, you know, capitalism is bad. They're only doing this for money. Um, some people say yeah. that, you know, they're doing it because it needs to be done, blah, 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 save people. And I'm like, well, can it be both? Uh, you mm -hmm. know, because yeah. I, I like yeah. making money all the time, but can I also help people at the same time? Indeed you do. Very cool. Uh, are there any other links that caught your attention there, Rich? Yeah. So which one am I on? Line 88, Raspberry Pi Zero Size. Kim X micro SBC equipped with quad core processor and micro PCIe slot. How cool is that? All right, so it's not a powerhouse. Uh, it's an ARM 11 clocked at one gigahertz. It's, uh, let's see, there's some more powerful boards. Okay, uh, so, so this, it compares it to a Banana Pi M20, which 
I think was cool, but once Raspberry Pi Zero had, you know, Wi-Fi on board and all that bit, all of these other Zero boards uh, that weren't Raspberry Pi kind of weren't cost-effective anymore. And they, they mention uh, the friendly ELEC NanoPi Duo 2. But th this is really cool. I mean, uh, so it's one of these things where you said the a la carte portion of it, um, that it has a PCIe slot, which tell I'm not sure how many boards out there have PCIe slots, but Pine Pro is, uh, Rock64 Pro is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, and I enjoy that slot. Um, but this looks kind of cool. It's interesting. I don't know... I, I would love to see it like two gigahertz instead of just one gigahertz, but I think it's very cool. Well, I'll say it's very cool, and I have no problem saying um, I like the color of the board. <laughs> Call me shallow. I like the color board. I also like the fact the board has friggin' buttons. Who doesn't like buttons? Raspberry right? Pi, you. You don't like buttons. Friggin' I don't. What What is the button issue on the Raspberry Pi? You. You're not, I don't hear you, Dork. Sorry, I believe it would just cut into their profit margin so they don't want to do it. Um, I will say it like this. Uh, this is the kind of board I'm super interested in. It, and here's the other thing. It has actual USB-C, not like the mm -hmm. Raspberry Pi. We're going to save mm -hmm. a, cut a corner with our USB-C and then, oops, wait, we'll fix it. This is really true USB-C, which I will say, every device I get, now that has real USB-C, I'm just falling more and more in love with it. Because when, like when we went from USB um, mini to USB micro on everything, I started to be like, wow, man, I can just buy like one plug. Yes. And, and now it's becoming real because I have a work laptop that has USB-C. My phone has USB-C. Now I have many computer boards with USB-C and it's literally the same USB-C. So I love the idea of this. Um, I also like the fact that this comes with two gigs of DDR4 and eight gigabyte eMMC. Um, now the mini PCIe socket is for wireless cards like Wi-Fi 4G LTE, or I don't even know how to pronounce this, LoRa, L-O-R-A. Now I have done some research on L-O-R-A. It's like long range wireless technology is what I'll say, um, point to point technology. Very interesting stuff indeed. This is like to me what I would consider to be the right now, I don't want to say preeminent, but really on the leading edge of like hacker ticker mm -hmm. kind of boards. Yes. Yeah, more of a hardware ticker kind of thing. Like uh I could see you doing using this on a weather balloon. Uh one of the things that I've always been fascinated about is uh doing a stratospheric RC or autonomous glider drop. I just think that would be crazy cool. I, I've seen other people do it. I mean, probably if I did it, it'd be boring. But this is, so with the LoRa, uh, with some of the other features on the board, I, I could see this working into one of those projects. Very cool. Let's see one thing. I want to get a link here. Uh, Gregory asked in the chat, in the live YouTube chat, where if you want to hang out with us live on YouTube, all you have to do is join us either on Discord, uh, follow us on Facebook or Twitter. We automate messages there when we go live, but I'm sharing him this link. It's another Android app. It's from Spark Fun, I believe is the actual name of the company. They do a lot of hackering, tinker-esque boards, custom boards and custom solutions kind of thing. They made this Android app called Skimmer Scanner. Uh, he asked if we have any skimmer scanner tools that we liked. This to me is the one that I actually trust. Uh, I watched a video on the 
president guy behind SparkFun explaining how the skimmer works. And I will say I have had it find a actual skimmer out in the field. Uh, and I went to the gas station attendant and told them, you, you know, you should call the police right now. Turn off that pump. There's a skimmer on it kind of thing. And he like panted and didn't know what I was talking about. And I called him out of the gas station, had him walk over to it. I said, now you see this? skimmer yeah now let's go look at this other one you see how it, look, it, it looks different no, no no don't touch it stupid you see how it looks different it looks different because there's a skimmer on it go call the cops and it was thanks to that app uh skimmer scammer <laughs> cool yeah and i will say look green pcb boards are fine they're fine i do believe this now i do believe Back in the day, when I looked at one of the pictures of all the different Raspberry Pis that have ever been made, I then did some research and I then learned when boards are created on different, uh, like, regions, they, and if they're sold in other regions, they legally have to have a different color to them. I believe green is the normal Asia color for PCB boards. Um, I want to say it was uh, blue was part of the EU. Um and then uh, I don't know where this like purple looking board is because that's what this board looks like. But I really do like the look of it. About okay. All right. What was the board? The Banana Pro. Wasn't that blue? This Banana Pro it's is a dark green. It's very darkish colored. Yes, I'll say that. But yeah, I do. And, and this was made in South America. Banana, I believe Banana Pie devices come from South America. Um, and I will say there's going to be at least a couple things in here that I know Rich, I'll say this, doesn't care about. And it's fine. I don't have to care about everything he likes either. Uh, but there's going to be a couple things in here about games. Uh, Pocket PC uh, being like a hacker's little terminal. There was at least one or two other game-related things. And I'll say this. Right now, mid-2020, we have some of the best Pocket game emulation we've ever had with the longest battery life with good 3.5 inch screens for way under a hundred dollars. Uh, there'll be links to that in the notes. Um, one of the other ones, uh, there's going to be also a link in the notes to ripple 20 long and the short of it is ripple 20 is a huge in air quotes, IOT networking vulnerability that will be around probably for the next 10 years. Uh, a guy created a uh, IP-based standard, and then they started putting in all kinds of IoT devices. Turns out it is extremely vulnerable, and if you want to know more about it, I'm not going to go into it. Check out Security Now, Steve Gibson. Skip the first 30 minutes of the show, and then he'll start talking about Ripple and all the effects of the most recent one here, early July. Uh, it's bad. It is quite bad, which, again... If you don't have root, you don't know who does. If you didn't build and compile the software running on your IoT device, you really have no idea what the hell's going on. Now, you can trust any company. That's your call. I have a hard time trusting most companies because I know their number one goal is not my security, it's their profit margin. So if you want to know more about why you should be very careful with your IoT devices, Ripple 20, Really bad, really bad. Um, there wasn't the, the other thing in here that caught my eye, Rich, was 93. And the real reason I wanted to bring this is because right now, I'll just say this triggered sensor activated. Um, one of the things that has been very obvious 
to people in ecosystems is once this COVID thing became an actual emergency, we had to relinquish certain regulations immediately because they were just too cumbersome, too hard to work around. A classic example, you had nurses fly in from out of New York into New York wanting to help, and they were told you can't because you're not certified here in New York, which is stupid. Regulations are just ways for government to control you and limit your own capabilities. If I want to move to another state, I really shouldn't have to be reauthorized for a lot of things. I'm sure there's something, but most regulations are just there to slow you down. Health suffered so much and so many regulations got lifted, including like the telemedicine thing. Now it's normal for your doctor to sit there on Zoom, have problems with their audio and video. Of course, when my doctor connects with me, they're like, oh, you're not new to this. No, I'm not. I'm new to this a while. Uh, but here was one that caught my eye. Okay. GNU Health embedded. And I got to say this slow because I literally had to read this article, aka listen to it like three times. GNU Health embedded open source health platform works on Raspberry Pi 3 and 4 and soon on Olimex SBCs, which Olimex is just a lower grade, I'll put it like this, less popular single board computer, but it's really affordable. Um, what basically this enables people to do is to basically put a Raspberry Pi in your health infrastructure, plug it up to your network, and voila, it's like a very elaborate custom customer management system, but all health-based. Um, and I'll say it like this, there's a they can't disclose who's using this product, but if you go take a look at the source page and you go look at the contributors page, and if you go look at the release notes page, there's a lot of big, major industries and companies using this GNU Health right now today. Um, this is weird, and I'll say it like this again. If you didn't watch the last federal government COVID press conference, where I believe it was Mike Pence started it off and then they went to Fauci and a, a, the woman, I can't remember her name. She impressed hell to me. I'll say that she was, she was smart, but I beg people don't, you don't got to listen to it. Turn the volume down if you're offended, but watch the damn video of the last COVID press conference from the federal government. And what you'll notice is every single graphic they show was in the bottom generated by open street maps, open source technologies are and I hate to say, but, you know, um, uh, 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 what's his name from Microsoft who's gone now? Developers, developers, developers. Not Paul Allen. Nah, he's dead. The basketball That's... owner. Oh. Steve? Bomber. Bomber. Steve Bomber said Linux is a cancer. Open source is a cancer. Well, <laughs> if you're a cancer, cancer is not a bad thing. Let's just say it out there. Perspective is everything. Open source is in some ways like a cancer where it's going through these ecosystems with like a hot knife through nothing kind of thing. It's just going through it like whiplash. So now I'm watching literal federal government press events where all they keep showing is open street maps, open street maps, open street maps, not Apple maps. Not Google Maps, not some other proprietary garbage thing made from like Oracle, but literally open street maps. Open source technology is the future of everything. Capitalism, first world, third world, everything. If you're young and you're looking to get a job, two things to tell you. One, practice your interviewing techniques. 
because personality really is half the job these days. Two, learn open technologies. You're guaranteed a job. Well, and three, learn a foreign language or sign language, and you're also guaranteed to be hired. This is really, I'm looking at their website. This is really interesting. I, 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 I wish there was like a video showing, oh, there's documentation. Yeah, I will say this is the kind of project I don't know how. No one, like, I never heard of this one. Apparently, it's pretty popular. Apparently, it's been around for a while. Apparently, people like it. Um, I'm just, you know, brand new to me. The modules and details, it says uh, socioeconomics, lifestyle, functional, uh, functioning in disability, gynecology, obstetrics, genetics, surgery, pediatrics, nursing, imaging, inpatient management, ICU, uh, neglected topical disease reporting. This is, wow. I mean, if there's really substance behind the bullet points, this is pretty interesting. Yeah, this is like, um, hypothetically... Your daughter just graduated dentistry school and she opened up her own office. This could be the starting of the backbone of her digital ecosystem in her office. That's what I gather when I look at this. Dude, I'm in the wrong business. I need to set up dentist offices and stuff like that. Well, and I'll say this, man, just like podcasting. And I tried to tell this to a a guy I consider to be a really nice guy, but he just didn't get it. You shoot for the niche. Okay, you don't start up a computer business saying I can fix everything. Nobody wants to hear that. Now, if you can fix everything, then what you do is you create thousands of websites, each website focusing on the niche. You say I serve dentist office. And then if dentist sees that, he's going to hire you over somebody who says I can do everything. Just like podcasting, you shoot for the niche. You don't do a show all about every mobile device out there, everything from ultrabooks to cars, to phones, because then it seems like you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Shoot for the niche. And then if you do want to talk about those other topics, it's not that difficult to start another show. I mean, I do it all the time. In fact, I'm now up to like episode 80 something in the Revolving Door podcast. It literally comes out daily. Each show is less than three minutes long. Um, where basically I go through everything I subscribe to. Uh, right now, I'm alphabetically up to, I want to say, the P's on my podcast. Uh, I stupidly left all the ones that started with the, starting with the. So there's going to be a lot there when I get to the T's. Mm. So yeah, if you're all interested in what I uh, listen to, again, you need to check out The Revolving Door, literally less than three minutes a day. Um, I tried to cut down the intro and outro as much as possible. So literally, some of the podcasts are literally about a minute long. Very cool stuff, Dor. Yep, and I will say, um, again, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put everything that flew through our radar since our last show will be in the notes. So feel free, listener, peruse those notes. And if there's something that we didn't mention that we should have that were in the notes, don't hesitate, shoot us an email. Um, Just like Greg and a couple others this past month, um, I want to thank everyone for downloading, thank everyone for their support. Uh, thank Red, Fizz, Gregory, all for coming out to the live show. We do stream live on YouTube. We try to do it Wednesday nights around, uh, nine o'clock. Uh, Rich, you have any, uh, place where people can catch up with you? Well, uh, flyingrich.com and, you know, so f- youtube.com slash flyingrich and Instagram's, uh, I'm flyingrichofficial. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I just want to say thanks for the people that reach out to us and send us nice notes. Or, look, if you got something we got wrong, 
correct us. Send us a note. I, I'm always interested. I have a contact us page on flyingrich.com. And Dora, I know you got an email address. Yep, if you want to email the show, minipc at podnos.com. If you want to email me personally, geek at gmail.com. If you want to email the network, it's mail at podnos.com. Uh, we also technically do take voicemails, 7076-PODNUT. Um, if you want to drop us a line, that's the easiest way. But, of course, you can just record audio on your phone and send it to us if you want. Um, hopefully, we won't be a month between the next show, uh, literally between us. Tomorrow, I'm going to go actually speak with my first orthopedic surgeon, my third orthopedist. Um, the previous two said I absolutely needed surgery, but now I got to go talk to this guy and see what he's going to say, when he's going to say, how he's going to say. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to beg he does something with my left shoulder, not my right shoulder. Uh, the bad news is uh, doing my own personal research, the worst case scenario, depending on the damage, depending on the surgery, depending on the surgeon, it could be up to six months of recovery, which I really hope Oof. isn't the case. Wow. Well, and I firmly believe they're going to look at my left shoulder and determine that one's more vital. Let's do that surgery right now. And then as soon as you're in air quotes up to it, we're going to do surgery on the right shoulder too. Cause I know that one suffered a second degree separation and has fallen out of socket like three times in my life. Oh, huh. you're freaking me out, man. I know. And then my father-in-law had his knee surgery today knee replacement yeah 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 total knee replacement in one knee as soon as that's done he has to go back to his other knee my dad went into the er yesterday and you people think your country's er's are bad my dad sat in the emergency room for 15 hours <gasps> with good health insurance mind you he has really good health insurance he sat there for 15 hours until they finally got him into a bed uh he has a clot on one of his kidneys and basically knee surgery a asap which turns out to be maybe 36 hours after they admit him into the hospital. Oof. Wow. And all hospitals are different. All I got to say is I got a VIP uh, at, at my local hospital, so I, I just walk in. Well, yeah, and I mean, and look, the best thing about America is, like you said, every hospital is different, which means there's a chance you're going to go into it, and it's good. Right, so, right, right. You know, take that for what it is. Um. I am super happy with the health insurance I have, but again, that came with so far 23 years of almost going insane working for state government. But you know, I do what I do. Um, thanks everyone for downloading. Thanks everyone for support. Thanks everyone for the email. Thanks everyone for coming out live. Again, if you want to join us on Discord, the link will be in the show notes. That's maybe the most active place uh, where I'm at and the listeners are if you want to hang out. Um, and again, uh, always, always, always remember on these all these little mini computers and all these devices that you have around your house and I have around my house. If you do not have root on these devices, you really do not know who does. Take it easy, everybody. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is everyday tech for everyday people. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology related you can find us on itunes and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher we hope you take a listen and let us know what you think